Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Tapping Into Spirit. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, and we are going to be picking up where we left off. We had a cliffhanger in our last episode where we were talking about spirituality and family. So we're going to jump back into that. If you haven't listened to that episode, you might want to go back and refresh so that you know exactly what we're talking about and then come back and join us here. It's a great conversation. So without further ado, we'll jump right back into this conversation. Are we saying that we're looking at him and seeing God in him? Yes. Yes. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. I I mean, I, I just don't see... I don't have any halfway point for it. Either God created everything mm-hmm. and out of God's own self, like there was nothing to create everything from except God's self. God took from God's own self and created everything, which means everything that's created is God and is God's. Right. You understand? I'm seeing, so, oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I'm seeing God in the miracle of the video recording being internationally, um, you know, broadcast and, and the shaming of that, that, that awful and and terrible murder, um, that happens consistently, um, because we saw it happen again at when, when the, the Capitol was stormed, you know, to a woman. Um, and, um, I think that God, God, that there is light and there is, is darkness, there is good, yeah. there is evil. And, you know, we, we look at sort of the yin and the yang, that that balance can't always, always exists and probably will always be. And I yes. think that um, my perception is that the, the, these miracles happen in order to expose, you know, the injustices and, you know, these awful things to, to move us into action. And I, I feel and like balance. that is God, but, into balance, exactly. Yes. And I feel like that is God. Yeah. And and so that, I'm sorry. So I think that that makes every, okay. Every person that, that perspective, maybe go to that one. Every person, say that again. What'd you say? You said that makes that perspective. What you, you faded out. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that that perspective um, makes, makes it clear that Derek Chauvin, Chauvin, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to say his name, but it's also God. You mm-hmm. see, you know, it's like we have, we have, we bless the things that we appreciate. We bless the things that we see are positive, 
But we have to recognize, just like you were talking about yin and yang, it happens, yin and yang happens in a circle. You know, it's it's within the symbol for it is within that circle. And that whole circle is the thing, you know, you have the yin, you have the yang, but it's the together, you know. And so without the Derek Chauvin's, then how many people would come closer to God, you know, and this whole thing that's been going on without the Derek Chauvin's of the world, how many people would leave whatever busyness they're doing and turn and face God, you know? And I think, I think that the opportunity to know yourself, you know, like they said in the pyramids, you know, mm-hmm. know thyself, the opportunity to know thyself is our mission on this earth as people and to have an opportunity to know yourself if you are doing your spiritual practices and you know living that life then you're on your mission you're on your way to knowing yourself right but if you are not what jars you and turns you around and makes you focus on knowing yourself i think it's the high god has everything what can we ever give god except our experience of the road to knowing ourself <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so the derek chauvin's in the world um are like mirrors or 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 u-turn signs or you know it's like redirecting us back to knowing ourselves you know mm-hmm. and so i absolutely mm-hmm. see god yep. in derek chauvin but i'm also not a uh, a person that doesn't believe in in um and uh, I think that there are consequences for your actions and that um, there, there should be punishment, you know, there should be, you know, um, reconciliation, you know, you have to know uh, there has to be truth first, then reconciliation, you know? And so um, I, I don't think we say, oh, Derek Chauvin is God too. So therefore he should not be punished. Oh, absolutely. He should be punished and he should be punished publicly. And it should be something that people should be aware of and should know and should understand that this is, you know, what is happening. And it should be a, he should be a tool for more truth to come out about the atrocities of um, this uh, race, racist system that we live under in the United States. Yeah, this is great. I think, you know, we have to I, I like the fact that we're generating dialogue that really creates more questions than anything. And <laughs> I, I don't know that we can, I don't, so for me, it's not landing on the spot of rightness. It is, let's really kind of process this and look at what we're doing and what it really means. Because, you know, now we move into, all right, if we're going to say that God is everything, should we then not have a lot of uh, frustration or, or irritation, or, or we even fight even because God is everything. So it's going to all work out. And then we move into truth. So truth has been like, what is truth? I don't even know what truth is anymore. Right. Because yeah, all these <laughs> folks over here um, saying the truth is <laughs> right. The election was a fraud and literally half of the country believes that they have convinced themselves against 
factual things that this is truth for them. And who are we to say that it's not? Like who, who becomes the arbiter <laughs> of, of what is right? Like they believe that so strongly. But even, even, even that idea that half the country believes something, you have to look at like when we talk about truth, okay? So if we were to assume that the um, numbers are correct, okay, that they that the numbers that they count in terms of the votes are correct, you know, yeah. and we were to assume that almost half of those numbers, you know, um, say less than seven million or whatever, um, believe that um, Trump should have won the election or whatever that you know that this is wrong that's still not half of this country right that's just half of the people who voted you know and and so it's like we start getting this we start having this conversation about numbers and percentages and it happens a lot in this country and that's that's why i have real issue with um what do you call it? Uh, statistics, the way statistics are used in this country is because we start talking numbers and statistics and people who are lay persons who aren't doing research jump in their conversation and we start having these conversations and, and forget what we're really talking about. Mm. So, you know, I try and always bring the conversation back to the metrics that we're actually examining, right? So the metrics we're examining are half the voting population, which is not 100% of the people who are over, who are 18 and over in the United States. And it's definitely not 100% of the people who are in the United States. And so when you look at the people who are 18, and, I mean, under 18, 17 and under, and you look at the people who are not eligible to vote for whatever reason, and then you look at that percentage, you will see it is a lot less than half of the people who believe that um, the lies or the truth, that version of the truth, you know, uh, uh, what they're saying is true. It's a lot less than half, you know? And I think that we have to, not that it necessarily matters in the, the, in the um, point that you're making, which is that there are a lot of people right. who believe this. Yeah, I get it. I, I understand. Right. I, I'm not discounting that point. I just, I just am saying that we have to be really careful using our word sound power that echoes their right. trickery. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because what they used to say all the time, you know, back when I read Essence Magazine was like a, a good black man is hard to find. And if you're a black woman over a certain age, then your percent, your, you know, the percent of black men that are out there for you, you know, there were all these numbers, right. you know, and percentages. And if you believe in the law of attraction, then those numbers and stuff don't, they don't fit in your belief system, right. you know? And that's and the so, thing too about all of it is like, this, when, when we, I think this time period has really given us a chance to question reality, truth, illusion, um, you know, programming, um, there's, it, it, and, and it, and it sort of always dawns on me that in the world, there's like so much illusion. There's, there are so many different illusionary realities that people are experiencing and sort of 
how we are all sort of spirits on journeys of, of evolution and learning and developing and each of us dealing with our own reality, our own belief system and the way that the world is delivered to us um, on, almost on an individual basis, but sometimes in collective groups, you know, together. Um, but that each of these realities is relevant for some reason through God for each person's path. And then our interaction with each of these realities is relevant for us and for whoever, you know, is experiencing this. It's all for the, the greater good of evolution. And yes. so for us to look at these groups that we think are, you know, just pigs and disgusting and evil and terrible is a valuable experience that mm -hmm. we have to have in this reality for whatever reason, for yes. the, the, the sake of our evolution. And then for them to insist that they should kill us and yes. that that is, you know, the right thing to do is just to exterminate us all is for, for whatever reason is a valuable reality for them. And they have yes. to do that because for some reason that is, you know, an unexplainable path that God has placed in this reality. And so, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, at some point as a spirit, we descend into the world and we're given this, this playboard, you know, and it's like, okay, and there's going to be these crazy people over here who you're not going to understand. And then you're going to have these allies over here. And then these are the gifts you're going to have. And this is, you know, and it's all sort of like the setup, you know, for us to experience this, you know, yes. path that we have to walk in order for us to evolve to another level Yes. whatever that means for our own soul. Yes. And they're I'm also so, evolving as well. Right. right. From from their perspective there's a there's a parallel evolution that's happening yes. and we need if we need it to balance it out everybody has a purpose and so yes. from that mindset we should just say okay there I don't need to get mad at you you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing for the good of the evolution of the universe really mm -hmm. so. but but here here's the thing i agree with you and yet i believe that there is value in fire you know yeah. so fire so fire is useful as a catalyst in reactions heat is useful as a catalyst in reactions and so in this equation adding heat to it whether it's anger or frustration or, you know, being mad or whatever, mad in the sense of even crazy is valuable because it will move, it will help move the equation forward. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it helped move the reaction forward, right? And so to the thing that I, I think you're landing on, Anthony, is our attachment to it. Right. Right? right. So we can be upset. We can be frustrated. We can actually jump on every one of those emotions going from sad to happy to upset to, you know, angry to, you know, all of those things. We can hit on all those emotions and play that emotion wheel, but remain unattached to it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. not be, not make it become us. I am my anger. I am my frustration. Right. I am my, instead of that, you know, remain I am with no attachment, right. just I am, right. you know? And with, with that, as these things come up, we will deal with them appropriately 
in the way that they are meant to be and it we will benefit and they will benefit and for the evolution of mankind um and for the evolution of the world you know and for our journey as we all move forward into knowing ourselves and knowing god right yeah mm -hmm. yeah because i could take the I could take your fire and raise the water, right? Because everything, or the coolness, because everything, mm -hmm. going back to balance, right? Yes. Like this cartoon with my um, with my kids, the uh, the uh, what was that? The, the fire bender, um, the yeah. avatar, right? Yeah, the avatar, right? Uh, that, that, was, <laughs> that was great for talking about because you had fire, water. Everybody had their element, and yes. each element was important in that moment, but anyone in domination is a problem because it's out of balance so right. you always need that other side as well so yes. um i think it's important for us to i always say striving towards balance but looking at yes. these things in a way where we aren't taking it personal and we're understanding that those folks that are doing what they're doing they have a purpose yes and so let them do what they do and focus on what i need to do for my particular path um, and walking that path while at the same time not letting them kind of um, come for me. So, I, I, you know. But then, you know, then also a, a, a respecting that maybe some people are supposed to take it personal. Maybe there are people who in this life, they came here for the purpose of taking it personal, you know, and we know though, you know, we know some people like that who, you know, they are the ones who walk into, you know, the, the fire, you know, and, and, and they are firebenders, you know, and they do go and fight and they do, you know, take out guns and they do um, confront things, you know, overtly, you know, and maybe that's their path, you know, some, you know, I think that each of us has to understand that there's all kinds of different elements and paths and experiences in this world. And we have to really follow our spirit, you know, and, and our, our, our spiritual path to understand what our role is here in this reality and maybe not make judgments about what other people's role is, mm. you know, and why, why they had to do what they had to do in, in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. But so. I think that's why it's also important for us to continue to, um, you know, understand different um, paths of spirituality and, have respect and acceptance of all the elements that exist in the world and share that with our children and let that transcend our relationships and our friendships and you yes. know really start to attract like-minded people of all different paths um so that we we can sort of get to a place where we're really um all all communing with god and and vibrating um as as the life force life being that we really are mm -hmm. I just want to chime in right quick before you guys move on. Because this is on subject, but then off subject. But you, you talked about the story of, you know, the ladders being told. So um, really the bare bone essentials, putting it as bare as I can. And 1496, from about that point where Columbus found, founded the United States, or he didn't find when he came here and colonized the West. From that point to now, Whites have dominated the world, the world. So here's what white, here's what uh, white supremacists know, and they've known for years. The population in the United States, white people, has been going down 
the entire time, just from, from about the 40s to now, because of two things. What's what's the people coming from other countries and they don't have as many children. So I'm gonna say this because and there's also a lot of interracial marriages that right. that people well, are producing children. I, I, I'll get to that point. The, the one thing is, and they realize that every time somebody, every time a white person marries somebody, whatever it is, the person isn't white anymore. So your numbers are going down, first of all. So when I, I had a class I took, and what shocked me was it was a class and it it talked about birth and death rates. And what shocked me was third world countries, populations were growing greater than European countries were, even though they had huge infant mortality rates. So I'm getting back to the whole point of the lie. The whole point of the lie is, and they know that at some point, at some point, we talk about the balance. At some point, if this happens, if your numbers keep going down, not just the United States, all over the world, you'll keep going down and down and down and down. So why do you hit the key? Every time you what's going to eventually happen to you? See, what, they understand this already. We still ain't caught up to it. That's what the fight's about. And meanwhile, if you go look, don't take my word for go Google who's, which continent's population will grow extremely in the next 50 years, next 100 years. Africa's population, the continent of Africa population will outgrow all the rest of the world. I found that all these things in, not in, in a vacuum, in different circumstances. So when we look at the, the lies being told, at some point, and they, that's the reason why people are fighting now, which is not about the market, it's about staying in political control, and you can't do that with just money. Because what happened is, once everybody starts voting, the people in the United States won't look the same. At some point, the whole construction of race, though, is a farce. I was about to say and, that. Yeah. yeah, so that I think that they're having to but, face the fact that they're not. There's no such thing as white people. There's no such thing. There well, are people uh, of lighter shades from. Well, well here the thing is. The so the, the the point the point is the person that made that doesn't think that way. White people don't think they're you white. You're a certain way because and, and that is what has given them power historically, and right. so they don't want to let go of that lie. Right. And, that and they the same. Right. So the same thing that created your power is going to take rid of your power. So that's the reason why yeah. this, that's the reason why in the conversation your brother was having, I talk about all the time, don't I? Your brother's having a conversation with your dad. And I was like, yeah. You, yeah, <laughs> Dwight, you're, you're, yeah. You, you got to keep doing better. Here's the reason I, I said it at the time, because eventually different people are going to be in power. They're not going to be the same people that's in power. And so we want to have talked to people, whoever, whoever, whatever they look like, they're gonna need. To, they're gonna need to be different than the people that, that have ran the world for the for the most part for the last seven hundred years for the most part. And so that's the reason why you keep. That's the reason why you keep going. But your dad was like, "You're never gonna be capitalism." He was like, "He was like, you, if you don't do it this way with a gun or something." He was like, "Well," and, you, and your brother's like, "You gotta keep teaching. You gotta keep doing this. You gotta keep." Because at some point, the people that control the world, or people that control, they're gonna look. They're gonna look different. And what right. I said was, "Yeah, they might." It could be people who don't look white anymore who just is who worse off. Right. And that's why right. this whole idea of culture and spirituality and religion and people coming together right. is so crucial because historically exactly. empires have, have, have risen and fall consistently, right. empires rise and fall. And so right. 
Adekemi, the spirit guide that I work with, he always talks about that our community, our culture, our spiritual connections with each other is the most important element of all because this empire can rise and fall. Our belief systems can rise and fall, but our connections with each other and the culture that we build on the ground, if it is strong, if it is cohesive, if we are really truly unified, then we will survive through the, these things without a glitch. And it, it, it's, it's irrelevant almost, you know? And so, um, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole thing is, is insane because the whole idea of white supremacy is built upon a farce. And so even the people who are participating in it are, are very confused and they are reaching out, they are searching a lot of them for something more holistic to, to give them a different identity. And so you see, um, you know, European Americans becoming, you know, um, Buddhists, or you see them becoming yogis, or you see them, you know, doing belly dance classes or trying to learn Ifa because they don't even want to hold on to this, um, mm, this whole concept that is abusive to them yes. um, because it puts them on, 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 an, on, on, a, on a false pedestal that can easily tumble. And, right. and especially those who have, you know, married interracially, now they yes. have to face the fact that my child, who is me, is of a different shade of right. which I'm told is inferior. And so, you know, right. that's why we all seek this whole connection to our spirit, because when you really look at it, this body is a vessel. It's something that we shed. And so when we when we go on that, that search for our spirit, that that is why that has to be you know, that's what my brother was saying, the whole building of culture, the building of spirit, right, building of community, you know, right, that's absolutely. what we have to focus on because, absolutely. You, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's insanity and it's, it's abusive right. all the way around, you know, to everyone involved. Right. That, that conversation that way about the, um, the way this country was even started, right? These, these guys got together and wrote this <laughs> doctrine that everybody yes. was so sacrosanct, like this is, the Constitution, it is so, ooh. Absolutely. It's a lie. Like the people that, it, it, yes. people that wrote it were hideous people. They, right. owned, they owned enslaved Africans. They treated them horribly. Right. They were horrible, horrible men. But everybody wants to act like this document, which was full of lies, because even right. today, the document doesn't guarantee me the same opportunities that it does people who are so-called white. And you could have a situation like this. Just think about this. This president gets impeached. And before the trial even happens, these senators who we have elected to uphold this, right. this, this constitutional doctrine, these senators already said, I'm not going to vote to impeach him. You haven't even listened to the evidence and you're already saying you're not going to. And what doctrine of fairness does that even make sense? And yet, yes, well, there's nothing we can do. It's the Constitution. They're not going to impeach. We're going to go through. Like, we buy into that and we keep playing, we being this country, we keep playing this game of, oh, there's nothing we can do. We can watch the people in Georgia um, 
two years ago, this guy can run for governor and also be the election, you know, oversee the election. <laughs> Everybody says, that's a, a conflict of interest. Uh, everybody knows that it's wrong, but we don't do anything about it. And now because they're- they're holding on to it. They're it, preserving it. They wanna preserve this document that's been around for what, uh, almost 200 years or whatever it is, you know? And the idea that it's the oldest constitution in the world should tell you that it's a problem. You and know? it is I mean, the most powerful it, sorcery. You're trying to- illusion. You're trying to base your whole reality on something that was built over 200 years ago. And you're basing your whole reality on something that the vast majority of the people in this country, vast, it wasn't written for. Because right. the white people that stormed the Capitol mm -hmm. are not Rothschilds. They're not, you know, Kennedys. They're not, they didn't come from money. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're middle class, they're poor, they're below poor. Now, those are the people who stormed the Capitol. You know, they're, 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 there's nobody who came from money that was in that group. You know what I'm saying? And so that constitution wasn't made for them either. They had to be amended into that constitution too. You know, it was made for white landowners that were males. And so when you look at the relationship of those people's ancestors to this country, those people's ancestors didn't own land back when the constitution was created. Right. You know what I'm saying? Their, their ancestors were poor, you know? And so the rich white people had to put this thing in place so they can maintain their wealth. You know, their problem with Trump is he pulled back the curtain and showed everybody what was behind <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> They're like, whoa, he's messing everything up because what he did is how revolutions in Europe got started. You know, he starved out the people. You know, he caused so much strife that people will participate in an uprising, you know, and that's how revolutions got going in Europe with people with royalty that did that. You know, when, when the royals or, you know, the people in charge of governments, whether they were military governments or, or, uh, or monarchies um, or democracies, when, when they shared uh, the wealth, everybody was good. But when they didn't share the wealth, people were, that's when people participated in uprisings. And so here in this country, they haven't been sharing the wealth, but they've been keeping this hierarchy of, you know, white here and everybody else below. And so everybody else has been kind of happy because they've been all teeter tottering on the lowest one, which is us, <laughs> you know, black folks. So everybody else is happy. They just ain't black, you know? And so that was enough. As long as you ain't black, you okay. You know, so everybody else, you know, all the immigrants that come here, the, the Arabs that come here, the Indians that come here, everybody, you know, you have your little step, you could be at a certain place, the poor whites, all that, as long as you weren't black, then you, you were fine, you know, and then when he started pulling back things and, you know, you know, pulling back his issues with Mexicans and, and with Arabs and, you know, all of this stuff, and it didn't matter because, you know, there are Mexicans that consider themselves 
white, you know, yeah. they're white Mexicans, they're white Arabs, they're, you know, so when it became, you were as, you were lower then, he started messing it up for, for the rich people. And I think that that is uh, the reason why you found so many people like the Lincoln Project and all that voting against him because they're like, yo, he, he's really messing things up. Messing know? it up. And he's a tool of God. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. A little orange man is a tool of God. Absolutely. He pulled the veil back. He, he, yes. he fucked up the illusion. He and did. if we take those white people who stormed the Capitol and we paint them brown, we will all be cheering. Yay, they did it. They're so brave. They're our revolutionaries. And the problem is that they stormed it for this little orange man who's right. a tool of God <laughs> who really doesn't care about them instead yeah. of storming yeah. it for themselves who have right. been oppressed for many generations by this caste system and hierarchy that has been juicing them for yes. for the, the the sake of the wealthy. <laughs> yes, I, I was absolutely I was happy I, when, when it happened. I was like, "Yeah, y'all need to." This whole lie needs to come crumbling down. So I was very yes. happy that they did that. And I think Zawadi, what you said just a minute ago about it being a, a very powerful piece of sorcery. That's a that's a really mm -hmm. good way of looking at it. I, I I think that's correct. Like people are. Because um, I ask my lawyer friends all the time, how can you, you know, you're not going to get justice in a place where the image, you have this image of justice being blind. Yeah. You, you know, you're not going to, you already know ahead of time that you're not going to get justice. Like yeah. you know, all these people, these judges in places that don't even know, they've never tried a case. They, yeah. they, they have a horrible rating. By the by the by the system that judged them, and he, and they're in place, and they're going to be making case law for cases for the next. There's a lifetime appointment. Yes, like, that is bizarre. Like who who? Why would anybody do that other than to try to control and manipulate? Right. Absolutely, and 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 and, and, and it, <laughs> I agree with Biggs on that too. It's in, it's inevitable. It's a, you know just like I mean these people when you really look at the difference between Columbus and his crew, you know, um, Isabella, all of them, you know, Portugal and Spain, you know, Columbus and his crew, um, 70 years, it was only 70 years between when they kicked all the Moors out of that part of Europe and when they conquered the free world or the rest of the world, you know what I'm saying? When they set off on their journeys and um, you know, spread their their colonialism, you know, uh, and, and throughout the world, right? Seventy years, you know. So they went from uh, and and they took everything that they learned and everything yeah. that had been built by other people in their place to do it, you know. And so the what did it look like? What did it look like on those days and months and years right before? you know, all the Moors were expelled from Spain and from France and from Portugal, you know? And so it's like, I bet it probably looks something like what's happening now, you know? When the crumbling of a system is, is in place, you know? And yeah. so it's like, we always think, you know, sooner or later it's gonna happen. We might not be alive to see it, but, you know, we might be alive to see it. You know, we yeah, might be alive to see it. We're seeing it. Yes. 
uh, background for it or not. And therefore, he's the talker. And therefore, that's the face of the message. And then by design, our people don't believe it because we've been okie doke before. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, who knew we were going to get into the spirituality of politics? That's what I'm yeah. <laughs> You never know where we're going to be going. Uh, so we're going to wrap up. But, you know, I just, I really want to, there's one question that I want to just, if you could just give me a few minutes here. Uh, I want to go back to this one question because we started off talking about the family issue and you said something last time that really stood out to me. Um, you were describing um, issue between you and your husband and you said your seven-year-old asked you, why don't you talk about things that you agree about as opposed to things that you don't agree about? And then your 13-year-old said that both of you were to blame because you were overreacting, you were overreacting to his overreaction. And you always ask for them to give an explanation, but yet you hadn't given one. Now, there were a couple of things that stood out to me about that exchange. One of which was that your children have the freedom to have a conversation with you about what they can critically see at seven. Yeah. 13. That's, that's one that's very impressive. And so I think it's important to talk about how that even gets developed because in our community, it is, we're raised with the children are to be seen and not heard. And so we get to a whole conversation about the evolution of that and the, you know, the positives and the negatives of it. But the fact that they were able to have this conversation with you, but then have the wherewithal and the perceptiveness to see things that you had said to them and give you back your own stuff and make yeah. you like, whoa, uh, uh, <laughs> okay. You know, for me, that is a beautiful thing. And so I just wanted to go back to that and have you talk about that because I think that is something that our parents um, can really benefit from in our community Absolutely. in terms of about how we are teaching our children the values that we, that we believe, and then also allowing them to develop their own path. So, mm -hmm. can you can you can we finish up with a you know a dialogue about that and, and just kind yeah of, mm -hmm. yeah I, I you know I think that there's a fine line that you have to walk with children. Um, I said something to my daughter today. We were talking about cleaning the dishes. She was talking about. Mom, you'd be surprised, like on TikTok and when you go to college and, you know, think um, that uh, some people don't know how to wash dishes. Some, some people don't know how to wash their own clothes. Yeah. That's what she was saying. You know, I was like, well, y'all know how to wash your own clothes and, and how to wash dishes and cook. You might not want to do it, but you know how to do it and you have to do it, you know, and that's the, the thing that I make you do. She, and while she was saying this, she was sitting in my room and I was making my bed. She said, you know, some people don't even know how to make their own bed. And she had just come from college. Um, like, she's not away at college right now, but her friend is. So she was visiting her at NC State, you know. Okay. And so she's seeing her friend's roommates and stuff like that. And so she's like, some people don't even know how to make their own bed. They're, you know, like if, they're, uh, um, if their mom is a stay-at-home mom, their mom might make the bed for them. You know, or if they have a maid or something, the maid might make the bed. And I was like, yeah but then they never learn how to make the bed. And so you have to teach them, right? And I said to her, 
I can't understand as I'm making this bed, why not a stay-at-home mom, but a busy mom who, you know, may be working and also trying to go to school and other things, you know, be active in the community would just say, forget it, I'm gonna make the bed myself because it actually takes more time to teach somebody how to do something than to, than to just do it yourself, you know? So, I, I mean, I don't wanna jump on moms that are doing it that way. You know, I was telling her, I don't wanna, you know, kind of put down moms because, you know, they got a lot on their plate and sometimes it's easier just to do it yourself. But in the long run, that person, you wouldn't have taught that child that thing and they need to know that thing. And she said, Yashi, of course, here we go again, right? <laughs> she said, what's the point of having kids if you're not gonna teach them? Mm. Mm. Right, <laughs> exactly, right. 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 So you're right. Is parent is a verb as well as a noun. Absolutely. And we need to focus more on the verb part of parenting than, than the noun part. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it takes more time to raise kids to question authority, to question things that are going on, to question what they've been told. It takes more time to have long drawn out conversations and to think about why you're telling them they can't do something or you don't want them to do something or, you know, they should make another choice. It takes way more time to do it that way. But in the long run, you're there to teach somebody something. You've made a decision to be a parent and that's what parenting is about, teaching and raising, you know? And so it's like, well, it's like back to that word. I, I don't know, I think last time we talked about the word husband and wife, what those words mean, husbandry, you know, to house and, and to feed and to, you know, um, and to uh, uh, take care of. And then wife to assist, you know, like with midwifery and, um, you know, like husband with husbandry. So it's like a lot of times we use that English language and it doesn't point us back to the root of the word, you know, and that whole parenting of something is about teaching, you know, about raising, raising kids. And, and so it, it is a fine line and it is more work. You acknowledge that have way more conversations. Sometimes you get to the point where you're like, okay, because I said so. We done talked about this for an hour now. You're not seeing my point because you don't want to see my point. So now take that back with you because I said so. So sometimes you get there, you know, and it doesn't stay there because they'll come back later and say, okay, I know you said because you said so because you were frustrated, but I really don't understand this part of it. And then we can talk more about that part. You know what I mean? And I, th I think you I think you raised a, a, a I think that's a great point that you brought. I'm glad you brought it up uh, about the parenting part. Very, very important. And I'm I'm gonna start a couple different places. You know, we hear about differences of religion originally. And so there's also a, a, a real difference in upbringing. Now, I joke about it all the time. I was like, well, you know, my dad's a Negro. You know, if you came and saw me, 90 years old, coronavirus survivor, he'd be like, I'm not I'm a Negro. So he'd be like, and so I say, well, the, the, the Negro meets, I know you're laughing, but it what he said, the Negro meets the uh, the Pan-Africans, right? So we were raised really differently. You know, my dad, my dad was born in 1930. Wow. Right? And it is, and, and so he, wow. and he have, and, and so to, to talk to him now, and so um, two things, 
as a as a as a as a, as a kid, as a child of a parent, I was talking to him. He was like, well, "Why are you fasting? Why are you eat like that now? Your mama eat eat this way." I said, like, I, "I don't eat pork. I don't eat this. I don't eat that. You want some of this Pepsi? I don't drink soda. Want this? I don't eat that." Well, what never happened to you, son? You know you. And so you I'm were like, raised like that. You were mama, raised like that. Your mama right. didn't feed you like that. Right. right. So. I said this to him, and you gotta understand, my dad is—he hard. He don't change up most of the time. I was like, but I—I I said, I was like, Dad, is there anything that your mom did that you did a little differently? And he didn't respond, but he listened to what I said. Is there anything that your mom did you did a little differently? He was like, and so he just listened. He stopped. He didn't respond, but he understood the point I was trying to make, and so. Here's the next reason why that question is formed, and I'm glad you brought it up. I was talking to my kids the other day. Uh, it was Black Lives Matter week, but it relates to this. I was like, life is like a race, but it's a it's a a relay race. And it's our job to take this baton and run the best race we can with it and then pass it on. In the words of Ella Baker, um, she said, uh, those who walk a certain path should know something. They should remember something so that others can walk the path a little bit better. So as a parent, you know, her kids may in a position now where I make them think about how you gonna handle that. I was talking to, I was talking to Caduce in the car one day and I was like, Caduce, you know something, man? By the time a drunk, a, a commercial about drinking came on, it's never too early to talk about teenage drinking. Because it was about 16, I was like, like this tell like this. Hey, you remember this. By the time your children become a teenager, they know everything. You can't tell them nothing then. That's all I said to him. I said to him, I ain't talking to you now about drinking, but when they become a teenager, they know everything. If you ain't talking about the teenager, you don't miss the boat. Mm -hmm. So my whole point was not to talk about him about drinking now. That, I, that don't pass me by, but yourself, when you talk to, talking about stuff, you better talk about before they get your age, but they know everything. At that age. So my, and then I talked to him now. It's a running joke. I was like, I take vitamin exercise because I want to see you how you have your kids. I'm going to be like, yeah, go take your mommy, just take her, her play up to the room and leave her under the bed. I'm going to tell your kids to do the same thing. I just want to see how you're going to handle it. You know, how you going to react to that? Now, now they, they said they're looking like Mr. Beggy. Why are you acting like that? Why are you going to do me like that? I'm like, yeah, but what's the point of it is you got to think about it. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Do you want me to do that to you, Nate? Yeah, he's looking forward to grandkids so much. He's always telling the kids, "Yeah, I'm waiting. I can't wait for it. When I when I, I'm pop pop, that's that's exactly what I'm gonna tell them." You, to you, do. you gotta wash dishes. Why? You gotta wash dishes after they finish. They wait hours after to wash the dishes. Why do we gotta do a different name? Yeah. <laughs> so they look at me like, no, "Why are you gonna do that now?" I'm just, I'm just saying. Think about it. Yeah. So you looking at me now, going, but the point of it is, how are you gonna handle that? Yeah. So they'll be prepared for those situations, and you even mentioned it. Was, I remember you mentioned the last time what they talked about. They, we have conversations about it, and hopefully, the point is some to run their race and pass that baton better than we pass it to them. In particular, economically, you know what I'm saying. Economically, there's certain things my parents didn't know, and things that I've learned, and some of them I hadn't applied that I want to get them to apply to put them in a better situation financially and making making career decisions. Because you look back now, you can be like, that wasn't a good idea. You know what I'm saying? I don't done some things that won't get ideas. I'm long. You don't want to do that. Like I'm talking about students, and then I'll be I'll be done. And I was in class one day, and they were 
uh, this was last year, and the students were talking about something. It was personal, but the certain group was sitting next to my desk. And I, and I, and I heard him, I was like, you know something, that ain't a good idea. And I'm like, and I don't know what it was they say. Like, what you talking about, the bitch? You don't know nothing. I'm like, you know, I, I know we, old people don't know nothing. I'm like, yeah. And I said, I had to tell you this because I said, you, you got a little brother, sister. I was like, he was like, yeah, well, they want to stick a, a, a metal spoon in a, in a light socket and you didn't tell them, you would be responsible, right? He was like, yeah. I was like, well, I'm not trying to tell you what decision to make, but I'm just telling you, I felt like I'd be responsible if I didn't say that was a bad idea. That's all. I ain't trying to, I don't want you to judge you, but for me not to say nothing to you would be wrong. So for my own conscience, you need to do that. And I move on from my paper, I kept on writing. Yeah, yeah, so you have to make the effort to parent them. Right, absolutely. Because for, for you, for you to be a good, a good person, for you to well, absolutely <laughs> as a parent. And I think it's interesting with parenting too, because um, it's not possible not once you have a child, you're going to parent. So it's like, do you do you parent consciously because you're teaching them things right. inevitably right. just right. by being alive? Just and by being so, alive. You know, it's it's like do you do you consciously just dis- make decisions? Right. Um about how what you're going to teach them and 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 priorities and so in yes. your case right. you know, it was a priority to teach your children how to think and to be yes. critical thinkers and to question right. things and to be you well, know, they do that. Yeah, absolutely. different spiritual systems and to be responsible and then when you make those decisions to make certain things a priority you also have to accept that other things may become not possible because right. there's always a balance there's always you know what once you prioritize one thing you sacrifice another thing because like no is my house the cleanest i would like it no mm-hmm. <laughs> because i sacrificed that have, some kids have to go to college and learn how to make up their bed you know because yes. maybe you know their mother was teaching them how to become a right. physicist right. and right. They didn't have time to, Absolutely. Teach them how to make up their bed and right. so you know i mean it, it's it's just a fascinating thing but um yeah. i think your, your children are really precious and really beautiful and i'm re- again i'm just so proud of you and um, Thanks. yeah Thanks. i think Thanks. it's a real victory yeah okay. they really love you it's, it's, yeah. it's true i, I told you so i was talking to auntie Vizwadi. oh Tati's Vizwadi, hi you know so it's it's i think the other thing i wanted to say about this when you when you make a decision, like you said, you you make a conscious decision. When I the first time I saw that um, video, The Secret, you know, like he was talking about the book. The first time I saw it, I was with three of my children, and we watched it in Ghana. Mm. And um, when we came to America, before we came to America, we made vision boards on what we wanted our house to be like and all of that. And one day we looked up. And the front entrance way was exactly the way in the vision board, the picture that we had cut out and it was exactly the way that we had seen it, you know? And so we were really excited about that. But what that video taught all of us was that we had to speak very consciously and deliberately, you know, we had to choose our words Mm -hmm. and use, use our words wisely because the universe was listening, you know? And so, I, for example, I told my brother-in-law, I was like, use the secret when you talk to the kids. You know, he's got three kids. I've got four. Use the secret, you know. And he said, um, well, what do you mean by that? And I was like, for example, the kids are running along a wall. And the thing that you want them to do is be safe. 
So you can say to them, be safe. You can say to them, walk. But if you say to them, don't run, then the thing that you don't want is the thing that you put forward or don't fall. The thing that you don't want is the thing that you put forward. The fall and the run, if we get rid of all the do's and don'ts in the universe and we just put the word out there, we realize that the word fall and, and run are the things that we really were trying to get them to stay away from, but that's the words that we used mm-hmm. as opposed to be careful, be safe, you know, walk, you know? And so that takes time. Right. You have to think about what is it that I really want? Because we're so trained, even though I was raised by Pan-Africanists and he was raised by the last American Negro, you know, <laughs> that we tease his dad and call him that. But it, it, we were both still raised to speak in ways of putting out there what we didn't want instead of what we want, you know? And so we have to change the way we talk. And I think that if, if I were to pass on anything to any of your listeners, the thing that I would say, the thing that changed my life the most in being able to accept a relationship was that was very different than, you know, uh, a person who was very different than me, raised differently, uh, have a different spiritual practice than me, you know, um, was being able to be very conscious of the way I talk and, and, and the words that I use. And, and to stop myself and think about what do I want? You know, I saw this thing where Ilanza Van Zandt, Iyanla, Iyanla, I think it is her name, Iyanla Van Zandt said, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be peaceful? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have to make a decision. Are you being stuck on being right or can you let go of being right so that there could be peace, mm-hmm. you know? And so I had to make a decision. I want to be peaceful, you know, and I'm willing to forego being right to be peaceful. So then I have to put out there what it is I want. I want them to walk. I want them to be careful, you know? (laughs) So instead of what I don't want, you know what I mean? So. All right. Well, that's that's a great way to, to wrap this up here. Ask for what you want. Absolutely. That you don't want. And I think that, you know, each generation, we're responsible for doing it a little bit better. Um, and I certainly talk to my kids about, you know, taking the, the lessons that I've done. My parents did some wonderful things. They did some things that, hmm, not so much. But absolutely, they could only do what they could do with what they had. Right. And absolutely. it's my job to take, take, take the good parts of that move them forward, add some stuff to it. And then I tell my children, just like you tell yours, take the good stuff and move it forward. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to, because this, this, this younger generation, they're onto some stuff. Like they, absolutely. Like my son's talking about stuff that I wasn't thinking about at his age. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, I agree. So, you know, I, I, I think I'm really happy to, um, for our future and where we're going. Um, as people are thinking about things and, and really tapping into their their unique understanding of spirit. Um, and I thank you all for being a vessel. You know, I, I, I've talked a lot about the fact that you, uh, Moinda, were raised, uh, you, you were born right before the first Kwanzaa yeah. and your family was a part of the folks who started Kwanzaa mm-hmm. and that now 50 plus years later, 
Kwanzaa has evolved into this big mega thing. Whereas at that time, your family was looked at as odd, like yeah. celebrating this Kwanzaa thing. <laughs> they, they so weird for the first 10, 20, 30 years. And then all of yeah. a sudden it became popular. And now Hallmark yeah. and Walmart want to, you know, make money yeah. off of it as they always yep. do, right? And so they've come in and co-opted and commercialized it. But the essence of what you all started, your family started with that thing has evolved to now it's a worldwide phenomena. And if we can recognize the, 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 the cadence of how the evolution can happen, we can look at what's going to happen 50 years from now. The same way that evolved, there are things that are going on right now that 50 years from now are going to be doing some phenomenal things. So I take that perspective and I'm and I thank you so much for sharing that because that's been very powerful for me. And I take that perspective and it makes me not ever give up hope because the yeah, people absolutely. who look quote unquote crazy or outcast, it can yep. speak like that. And mm -hmm. so I thank you for um, offering that. So I hope our re our listeners have really got a lot out of this. This was like, who, who knew we were going to talk about all this stuff? <laughs> but uh, it's been really good. And we thank you again for being able to share with us your personal experiences and um, allow that to come out to the world and, and people to um, partake of it and hopefully add it to their lives and uh, the, part, the parts that work for them and, and to make change in their lives. And so... As always, we're talking about critical thinking for evolution and transformation on your spiritual path as you personally tap in the spirit. And we thank you for joining and listening to us. And we'll be talking with you next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys have a good day. All right. Much love. We're talking about spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.